Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Josh Brown, there's actually video games again. I love it so much, Scott Tilford. <laughs> we were talking about how long it's been since there was a game that it feels like every single person is playing. And I think it was Elden Ring. It I think was. that was the last time that you, that, that friend that you have, everyone has, who just plays a little few games every now and then, uh, was talking about Elden Ring. And that friend that I have got in touch to say, is Zelda any good then? <laughs> and I was like, yes, it's pretty good. And I feel like everybody's playing a mix of Tears of the Kingdom or Jedi Survivor. And um, we're just going to delve into those two. We're going to dedicate this podcast and whatever other podcast we want um, to both these games going forward. We'll see what happens. But um, I should also say that this is The Wind-Up. I'm Scott Tilford. That's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. Hello. Uh, we also we always, rather, dive into the latest gaming talking points and news and whatever else is going on in the industry, which is to say the Tears of the Kingdom is going on. All the games are pushed back. No one wants to contend with the release calendar right now. And there's not much news doing the rounds either. Not really. So let's just talk about Zelda stuff. And I'll get back around to Jedi Survivor, unless you want me to tap into that well of hatred right now. You know what? Let's, let's do that first, because I I've, t- I've talked about Jedi Survivor mm. for the past few weeks, and you put I some I sung its quality- praises after the tutorial. You did, yeah. but then you put more quality time in it yep. over the weekend mm-hmm. um, after finishing Tease of the Kingdom and getting mm-hmm. the review up on the channel, which you should definitely check yes, out, by do. the way. Uh, and we, in a classic wind-up fashion, <laughs> before we get to the thing we love, which is Zelda. It will uh, unite us once again. We, um, <laughs> after this. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, um, well, we, we have differing thoughts on Jedi Survivor, so I'm going to let you go first, because I've talked yes. at length about it. So how was your time with it? Uh, the weekend. I need to say, on the record, on some sort of record, audible, visual, whatever, the state of this game, the performance of this game, the way this thing runs is unacceptable. And I'm literally channeling, what is it, the Lemon King or whatever he's called from Adventure Time? I have no clue what you the word said. Unacceptable! I'm okay. that guy. Um, because it's 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 insulting. We paid money for this thing, and I can't get past how abysmally it runs. Like, there's a whole thing they want you to switch. Obviously, you can switch between quality mode, performance mode. Both of them for me are really really subpar. Either you're in quality mode, it's 30 FPS, and the combat feels really unresponsive. Again, to me, I know that you prefer the 30 FPS, or you put it in performance mode, and everything chugs. There's screen tearing. It's ludicrous how much it can't keep up with anything. And I think it makes a way better first impression because the tutorial, just the way that thing's laid out, you can enjoy the combat. I, again, even then, I was jumping between both modes. But once you're in Kobo, which is the first major planet, and I am past it because I just kept forcing myself through it, use the force, to get to the next planet anyway. So I'm on Jeddah at the minute. Um, most of that, I was just flicking between both modes and then I was like, no, I'm going to commit to one of them. I definitely want the combat to feel good if, I'm, if I have to cherry pick these different options. Um, I'll put it in performance mode because at least then it's more responsive. But the amount of screen tearing, the amount of bugs, the amount of weird twitchy animation overlap stuff they have, and the fact that certain combat encounters, at least for me, completely fall apart because they don't have that responsive level, but they also have things that I just point to and I just 
think this could have been playtested better in regards to like enemies attacking through each other, enemies triggering unblockable attacks after you've started swinging towards them. So they just tank the hit and hit you anyway. Little things like that. The more like direct objective issues are the performance stuff. But I continue to be infuriated by the fact that I've spent so much money on it. It just should be fine. You can tell the core of it is beautiful and it just gets in its own way. And it's just, it's, quite sickening. It's whatever word I want to throw at it that is right on the line of being melodramatic. It was painful to play. It gave me a headache, like trying yeah. to put up with the screen tearing and everything. And I've never been that incensed by something in quite some time, but it is, un- it's so uniquely annoying when a game, when a game does this, where it's like, you paid the money, just let me love you. Why is this stuff getting in the way? Like, it, it's ridiculous. I can't disagree, man. Like I'm in no way going to defend the performance of the game because mm. in performance mode, especially the thing is unacceptable. Like you said, the amount yeah. of screen tearing, the the lowered resolution, which mm. just, it makes everything a little bit too way, well, actually way too blurry. Um, it does not, you know, account for or justify the kind of slight added frame rate bump that you get. But where I think we're living on different planets is <laughs> when it comes to the actual meat and potatoes of the combat. Yes. Because you referred to it there as, you know, unresponsive and uh, overwhel- in, not in overwhelming, kind of broken mm-hmm. in terms of the combat design sometimes. And man, I just couldn't disagree more. Like in 30 FPS, I think I've said it on the last podcast, mm-hmm. like it's one of the most responsive <laughs> games, action games that I've played in some time. Like I find it... And I've been very fortunate playing it on quality mode in 30 frames mm. per second. That's been completely stable, more or less, outside mm. of one or two dips here and there, which I wouldn't have even noticed if it didn't have all the other issues in performance mode. Mm. Uh, but like the combat itself is, has been pristine for me. Right. And the combat encounters have been such a step up from Fallen Order that all That's of the true. stuff that That's you true. mentioned there, mm. like I for me, they're, they're features and not bugs. Like you're talking about, you know, making a swing and then having someone's unblockable attack pop off. Like to me, that's baked into the design because all of the enemies have such obvious tells when you're looking for them, at yeah. least in my experience, where I'm playing it as like half a Dark Souls, half a Devil May Cry. So I'm looking yes. out for when to attack, when not to attack. Will I get butchered if I commit to this um, lengthy swing animation now when they could gear up with an unblockable... No, yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously reading that stuff. I mean, there's a whole thing. Like, Respawn as a dev prioritized combat legibility. They kind of invented that term around about Titanfall 2, and it was like that idea of... Oh, maybe it was, sorry, no, it was Fallen Order. Either way, they've talked about that stuff before. Yeah, that's entirely how I'm going into this. The thing, the specific reason I mentioned that is because there's a specific combat challenge at the start of Jeddah, um, which is already doing the rounds on the game's Reddit pages as to just, just being broken AF or whatever, where you just have to put up with a bunch of ranged attacks, a bunch of melee attacks all at once, various red attacks that are unblockable, um, coming through the enemy that you're trying to fight in front of them, all being hit off screen by a ranged attack that you couldn't even see or account for or anything. Um, and it just feels like a bit of a mess. And because you get knocked out of your animations when you get hit, you can just get stun locked into being hit by everything and the ranged attack and the splash damage from the missiles, right. et cetera, in that particular moment. Um, but yeah, just throwing that in as a clarification on my part, that was the bit where I was like, oh my God, this is on top of everything else. This is horrible. Um, even though um, most of the main story encounters have been solid, but I do think the combat can just fall apart. I have had bits where the camera de-locks for no reason. Right, and then okay. I've had to sort of whirl the camera to try and find the guy to fight them again. Um, and just little things like that, that sort of, it just feels like it needs another pass. Like another, really? Yeah, yeah. Ah, see, again, I must be like just very lucky because I've no, not had like the desync issues mm. or anything like that. And it's funny because the combat encounter that you mentioned that is apparently doing the rounds, mm. like I can't even register it. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> recall that. It's you like have an issue. It. Well, this is the thing, man. Like, I, again, it's, it's one of those situations where 
I'm playing through it on like the Jedi Master difficulty, and the only times I had issue with the combat was in two specific boss fights, right. which were crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, um, those optional fights that you're referring to there are are, are, are broken, right? In a way, but intentionally so. They're definitely trying to challenge you. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely trying to challenge you. And there were so many times where I kind of spawned into one of those and looked at the assortment of enemies that were coming for me. Mm-hmm. And I like, I laughed to myself because I was right. like, I can't believe you've done this to me. Like, there's one which I won't spoil, but I just defeated a boss that took me one hour to beat Scott Tilford, right? <laughs> I will never beat this boss. No, <laughs> but it's such a popper of a boss. It was such a cool fight uh-huh. that I, I finally bashed my head against the wall and completed it, okay. right? And then it opened up an optional tear and I entered the false tear and it spawned two of the boss that I just no. fought right in front of me and I just kind of laughed and said you pieces <laughs> of trash yeah. I can't believe you've done this to me uh, so I, I actually welcomed the the nuttiness okay. of those false tear encounters because they get so ridiculous I think there's I, such a test that uh, I actually I found them funny but in a, in, a, in a genuinely good way where it felt like the developers were playing a prank on me but not in a mean spirited way I would feel that way if the toolkit I had to approach them with felt reliable, which is right. where all the rest of the game falls down. Because yeah, I just I, I have all those core issues with the frame rate and the way they present, you know, uh, exploration and the feel of combat and the way they let you overpower some animations. You can dodge out of some swipes, but not others. There are if you're in the dual blade stance, you can hit L1 to cancel your swing specifically. They do tell you that. Yeah. But other stuff you can't get out of fast enough. And there's nothing I personally hate more than when I'm committed to an attack and I would have dodged something. I can read this, <laughs> but then the enemies are faster with in my swing because Cal takes half a week to take a swing. That's interesting, man, because <laughs> I guess that's just like a fundamental um, friction that I don't mm. have with like those games. And it's not because I'm reading the animations better or anything like that, I guess. You maybe, might be playing way slower than I am. That's it. I might yeah. just be playing way slower. My actual preferred playstyle in um, Jedi Survivor is the big crossguard saber, mm. which is essentially like a claymore from Dark Souls or something. So that is very, very slow. And that's another weapon that you can't dodge out of once you commit to an attack. Right. So I'm playing it already with that in mind, which probably like helps thing. definitely. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. two-handed, you know, big, slow arcs, heavy hitting, but if someone attacks within that, you can't dodge away and you I will just, get hit. And that's like, so in that sense, I was kind of treating it again as like a feature, not necessarily mm-hmm. a bug where I was like, okay, that's just, I'm going to have to change my play style. And I'm fine with that, but mm-hmm. obviously... No, I mean, I, I know I've tried that too. Like, I feel like I've tried everything with this game. I feel like they're trying to encourage you to do more kinetic action to dive in. You have combos, like you have things, and you grab this guy and throw this guy somewhere else and try these different um, approaches to combat that lean it more towards a platinum style. But then they also, Fallen Order was way more Soulsian and they have the bonfire style rest- uh, checkpoints and everything. So I'm kind of like, okay, you're kind of tapping into two wells of styles of play and they can find a sweet spot in the middle. And I'm not hating the combat across the board. I'm not even yeah. really hating the combat, like, you know, as a general maxim, it's just part of it. It's so easy for it to be, like, stellar, and it really works, and you take out loads of dudes really stylishly, and their limbs fly everywhere, and Cal twists, uh, spins a lightsaber and pockets it again. You're like, that's cool. And he, throw, he raised, uh, um, slicks his hair back, and you're like, okay, cool. But for mine, for me, it, it's re- it's razor thin, the margin of error, because it can feel like you're just dominated by those animations um, as well. But again, I think a lot of that hinges on the responsiveness and hinges on the performance stuff. Do you know what it actually reminds me of more than the games you 
just mentioned there, like mm. the FromSoft games or a Platinum game. It reminds me more of Doom Eternal's approach to combat. Interesting. Where the it's game that's like, better than Doom 2016. Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I fully yeah. agree with you We're going to put way. a community poll out. This keeps doing the rounds in the War Culture Gaming offices, and they're all wrong apart from me and Josh. Listen, both games are great, but Doom Eternal's just a little just bit better. Way so better. I might have just discredited everything <laughs> I've just said there if you are a Doom 2016 fan. But mm. yeah, it reminds me more of Doom Eternal of indeed the Doom 2016 game because it's a power trip in that you feel you know, incredibly powerful. You feel like this Jedi master mm. when it works, but you still have to kind of respect the enemies. Mm. And what I mean by that is if you scan an enemy, it'll give you like a couple of tips on how best to beat each mm. kind of thing. So I like that because it means I can't just go into every combat encounter with the same mentality. You know, I've got to really figure out which enemies I'm dealing with, which saber, which style of play is going to be best for that specific combat encounter. And I'm kind of thinking with that Doom-style combat chess. Yes. Okay, these moves are going to be effective. These moves aren't. I can't make this mistake. I can't make this move. Mm. And that might not be satisfied. I'm not saying that's like an amazing way to design a game like this. You can definitely say that's not for you or it's bad. But for me, it just kind of clicked and it made sense in the moment where mm. I had this lovely balance of spectacle and a lovely balance of challenge. And mm. that's exactly what I get from Doom Eternal as and well. I did, I, I, there's definitely been many more moments where that's been the case. It's just that the bits where it falls apart, I just sort of put the controller down. Like, I don't even know what I did wrong there. It didn't feel like it was responding to me. It didn't feel like I had a, a fair shot at that combat encounter. And the worst one was the one at the beginning of Jeddah. Um, but that would all be be sorted if they just fix the foundational components the, the performance the frame rate right. the screen tearing the glitches the pop in like if they fixed all that stuff you would be able to approach those combat scenarios and put up with a bit more dickishness um, to figure it out more rather than feel like like I said the toolkit that you have is fundamentally broken because <sighs> it just isn't it just doesn't work in performance mode like let's yeah. just be like brazen about it um, it shouldn't have that mode yet it should, it should they should have redfold it released it in 30 <laughs> fix it later I mean Tears of the Kingdom's in 30 but it's a nice smooth 30 FPS well, like, we'll see. Well, we'll that. see. But like, <laughs> not all the time. But I feel I find that you can put up with Tears of the Kingdom, or I can more than um, Jedi Survivor's attempts at modes. This is gonna. Uh, <laughs> this has been teed up for a classic wind-up <laughs> session, Scott. Because spoilers for Tears of the Kingdom. Uh-huh. But I've had more issues with that frame rate than I've had in no Jedi Survivor. We but do live on separate planets, every we do. We just, so we send rockets back and forth, meet up for the podcast. We absolutely yeah. do. <laughs> um, just stay on Jedi Survivor for a bit longer, yes. if, if you'll permit me. You know, before we start recording. We actually had a bit of this chat, and which is what kind of inspired it going yeah. first here. And you said um, that you're more into the game for the story and the cutscenes. Yes, by and far. while I really love the story and the cutscenes of this game, especially in the second half where it just kind of goes balls to the wall and starts this. to do things. I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed the characters, but it was that gameplay loop that I was mm. there for. Like I had, you know, 10 hours between the inciting incident at the start and the next big story mission because I was just mopping up everything on Kobo <laughs> and having such a good time with it. I didn't get to Jeddah uh-huh. for what felt like decades. In That's fact, insane. it was so long in real time and what felt like in game time mm-hmm. that I completely changed Cal's look. Right. I, I made it canon that while he was on Kobo, mm-hmm. he grew out a big beard and grew out his hair from a mullet to like just wavy long. And Same. I was like, that kind of feels right for the amount of time that I was spent on this planet. <laughs> but I know that's not how everyone's going to play because I well, take a completionist approach to that kind of... They want you to though because the amount of different... I mean, you talk to characters, they give you rumors, quote unquote, that's what they're called, but they're like 
bits to try and find in the in the open world. They want you to be exploring that space, but it's just so badly optimized. It's better in in the uh, visual mode. But you said you had loads of problems with the, the uh, frame rate when you would come against water. It would just like I did. The, the game hates its own planet design. Oh, undoubtedly. But there was only there's only one area of water, right? Which was or the main river in the just middle. the main yeah. river. So it was like. 10, 15 minutes out of like 20 hours that I spent on mm-hmm. Corbo was having uh, those performance issues. Everywhere else, again, I just got lucky. Maybe I just am mm. more accustomed to quality mode, but it was it was fine. Again, I'm not invalidating the problems or saying that the, you should buy the game because, you know, it's okay if you play it on this one specific mode mm. with a certain option off. Like, I'm just kind of trying to relay my experience of no, when it works. It was, it was work and the exploration mm. was smooth. I wasn't hitting those frame drops. Um, the only times I did hit the frame drops were when, um, I was in the water, like I said, which is fortunately mm. a small part of the exploration on that planet mm. and in certain cutscenes towards the beginning. But I'll need to verify this, but at least for the second half of the game, I didn't get those frame drops in the cutscenes anymore. Right. I don't know if they've patched that or made it better, but it was it was uh, only noticeable in the first two, maybe three cutscenes that I got, thankfully. And then yeah. again, this is like my ideal quote-unquote version of playing a broken game. I got like the best version I possibly could <laughs> where people have been having a nightmare. Ewan uh, sent me a, a late game cutscene mm. that he got earlier on that completely freaked out and it's like a big emotional moment no and a character in it was like literally teleporting in and out of the scene. <sighs> so I, I totally get that people have had a terrible time with it. I That's totally, the thing totally get it. that I just, I think as a people, we are, we're not necessarily too easy on, but we have no real way of flagging it on mass that like this is not something that a that fans of a certain medium should put up with like if it became the norm that you know parts of a cinema is real i know this digital <laughs> these days but like parts of those movies oh you know parts of it scenes might just not be finished yeah and uh, you know like when they screen stuff for critics and they see the green screen version of something if like you know in the back third of the movie the big moment's about to happen but you get the green screen version because they ran out of time it wouldn't. You wouldn't. Ac- people wouldn't accept it. No, you're right. And it's, absolutely, it's so ludicrous that we have to have this weird thing. Like, well, don't go over there because the frame rate dips. Oh, the frame rate's better if you go down this bit. And it's just, it's bugging me there. It's just really getting to me when the game is clearly so solid. And I love Respawn. Titanfall Two. I'll still say is one of the best first person shooters of all time. It's just so. And uniquely annoying. Fully agree, man. Fallen Order had a terrible launch with a lot of the same bugs, and it was unacceptable then. Yeah. You would want them to get it right this time around. They delayed the game a month mm. to give it a bit more polish, and it's still not there. Like, don't release a game like this. I genuinely think its performance right now is going to cost it, perhaps rightly yeah. so, down the line when it comes to, you know, game of the year discussions, because... We're all playing slightly different versions of it, slightly different uh, quality, ver- no, that doesn't make any sense, slightly broken <laughs> uh, versions yes, yeah. of the game. And it's like, that does the effort, that does the effort that the team has put in mm. a disservice because there is a great game there. And it's like, guys, could you not have delayed this one more month, mm. two more months to make sure it was pristine? Because the game itself, in my opinion, deserves plaudits, but... Yeah. It's, it's why do we have to have this? It's now become this kind of, you know, poster child for what video, the worst parts of the video game release cycle. And if it wasn't for Redfall, mm. I think people would be talking about it way more. Just Probably, that Redfall yeah. kind of didn't have the quality to back up its performance issues in the way that Jedi Survivor does. Mm-hmm. There's something that, that goes alongside, like I said, that sort of uniquely annoying side of it where. It's just, you know, Redfall, maybe it's for you, maybe you enjoy parts of it, but the core of that game feels completely you know, misguided. Like, they're sort of chasing various trends that are very outdated, and like there's a, there's a core to that game that you arguably don't even 
really need to bother with. You can kind of just sideswipe Redfall. Um, and there's obviously a whole catastrophe that we're going to find out more about behind the scenes and whatever. It feels like that game, for now, um, it's easier to discard that thing. Jedi Survivor has everything going for it, and it's stumbling at the very end of development. And it was in development for, what, like four years or something? Yeah, three and a half. And it's just, I feel bad. That's the thing. I feel so bad for the team. Like, it's one of those things where I think there needs to be, like, a unified front between the consumer and the devs because they need to be able to go to the people above them and just say, this isn't going to work. Like, to give them the power to push things back. Like, the only reason that things get pushed out is the publisher windows, and we all know that, and they do know that quadruply so. So, like, I'm just, I'm getting so sick of it. Like, and it's one of those things where, like, you have a game that is brilliant and like you know people end up sitting on it for months hoping it's patched like right now I'm just sitting on it waiting for it to be patched it's a stupid state of mind to be in it's a next gen game as well yeah. like it's a next gen exclusive in you know you you buy you spend 450 pounds 500 pounds or whatever it is on like the new consoles mm. you get something finally that is a next gen exclusive and it runs like crap and it's yeah. like well what wh- where's where's my money gone yeah. why have I invested in this ecosystem now when the games that are coming out for these new machines like run worse than they did on PS4. And it's also like one of those things where, I don't know about you, but like, I guess you, you didn't necessarily have this with Jedi Survivor, but you probably did with something like Gotham Knights. Anything that the game does well, and I would smaller amounts for you with Gotham Knights, yeah. but anything where the game does something well, it's like, well, that was really cool. It would have been better if the frame rate was better. Like you mentioned that cutscene that Ewan's yeah. going through. Um, that you're never gonna get that back. You're yeah. never gonna get that moment again. It just it's irrevocably broken, and yes. like, and even the memory of that is broken. And it's just one of those things where it, it just it just sucks. Like, just get it. But I'm not gonna replay the game. Like, I'm not gonna no. go back from the beginning, even though it would be a better way to go. That's and yeah. something about accepting that is just such a broken part of the industry. I'd have been as furious as you are mm. if I got to some of those late game cutscenes where big things happen mm. uh, and it was stuttering or characters were glitching out. Like, I would have been furious yeah. because, like you said, you don't get those moments back. You've paid £70 mm-hmm. to get the privilege of them in the first place, and they are, when they're working, mm-hmm. great moments, and, and suddenly you've just bought this broken version <laughs> of it, and it just makes you think, like, why? Why are games priced this way? Why are they released this way? Mm-hmm. Why can't they just be better? Because the team has done pretty much everything right apart from, you know, what, fail to have the resources and time to push it one month, Mm. two months. Mm -hmm. There's so much, it's a much wider conversation as to, you know, potentially solving this or going some ways towards solving this where the developing teams in an ideal world know that the entire fan base is on their side, know the entire audience is on their side. They use that as bargaining power to free up the space to be able to finish the game as they see fit. But also that doesn't fix the problem across the board because it wouldn't have fixed something like Redfall. Either that would be in development forever. Um, But for me, the solution for that is more of changing the way games are marketed where you have more interviews with the creatives and they say like this is what we're aiming for actually we think this is kind of cool we're going to try this and then if you hit the wall and it crashes they just hold their hands up and just say well you got to see everything that we did we still think it's worth playing that's why we still released it um but there needs to be more optics on that side of it as well i just there's so many wider problems you mentioned movies earlier man Mm. and it's like it's a great point because i'm guilty as any of this i've been singing the praises of jedi survivor you know you kind of overlook a lot of the issues that have just become commonplace within the medium and with early releases especially like mm. even then early releases it's when the game releases it's not an early <laughs> release at all it is the release it's of the game like, a month. like imagine if we were doing a, a film podcast right now and Avengers Endgame had come out mm. and we were saying man how great was that portal scene where you know everyone kind of comes mm. out the, the, the portals but then we're saying man it was a shame that you know Tony Stark started glitching out of existence and he wasn't know, in my cut he, he wasn't was in your, your cut I didn't see that yeah, yeah. In, in you know the dialogue 
plug just stopped for some reason or someone was T-posing, you know, Sam Wilson's T-posing mm-hmm. in the air. It's like, like it just wouldn't fly, no. right? And yet, we, like, again, I'm as guilty of this as anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, you just make caveats and you kind of have to talk around that stuff in the gaming industry because we've just hit this point where that stuff is normal. Mm-hmm. And it's like... You, you think about it for a bit, and it's like, why are we accepting this? Well, why thing, am right? I personally accepting this? Well, because they made an acceptable version of the game for you. Like, that's true. And not, I don't mean you as an individual, but anyone who plays on the quality mode, that's clearly the one that was prioritized across development. Um, and there is a way to absolutely love Jedi Survivor. It's reviewed very well. Like, you know, and there are, and I'm the, the I love very, like, part of the, I love parts of this game. Like, every now and then, it'll be something that syncs up where I'm like, this is brilliant. Um, the frame rate frees up if you go into specific locations, because it seems to be area dependent. But you shouldn't have to. You just shouldn't have to like it's just one of those things where it, it, if you're telling me there are two modes for this game then there should be two modes that work like at some point it needs to be that simple and there are complex things to make it simple for the user end but it needs to respect the user more and it's like the industry has has never respected the consumer um overall like you know there's a whole wider conversation with that but like the way where we are now like it's just it's the fact that it's still a conversation the fact that we still have to go well if you t- turn off usage sharing and it's better like we should never have to do that stuff yeah um i hate it i, I hate that that's the reality of it um, and it's something about Jedi Survivor when the potential is so strong that compounds the the agony of go, of waiting for it to work again. Um, and yes, contextually, I can just go outside and go smell some flowers. That's what I did <laughs> yesterday. Um, and just wait for it to be fixed. It's not the end of the world. No. Obviously. But it's almost because it's not the end of the world that it should be a thing to fix. Like... God damn. I know. God damn Scott Telford. And it's like, it is, it's, it's, he's the thing, right? I'm part of the problem because now I'm going <laughs> to say it. But I had a good time. Me too. And it was a 9 out of 10 game and is my second favorite game of the year, of the year so far. Game of the year contender. Uh-huh. And that's why I think it, you know, obviously there's a whole consumer side, which I fully agree with you on. But it, it like going back to the devs from it, that's where it just sucks because I want to be talking about this in December and talking about the version I played, mm. but not everyone played the version I played. Yeah. It's like, what a shame. It was like when we went, when, I remember the last time that reminded me of when we both went through uh, Sable, which is a really, really gorgeous game over on Xbox. A very yeah. Breath of the Wild. If Breath of the Wild was a genre, it's a Breath of the Wild, um, but with a, a more of a heavy uh, focus on just pure exploration and some puzzles and stuff. But it feels like Breath of the Wild in terms of the serenity and everything. I played that, um, just drank that game in, but it was broken as hell when it first launched. You yeah. held off because you're like, I'm going to wait until the frame rate's better. Um, I can never get that version of the game that feel, that is smoother, but I love the core parts of that game so much that I forced my way through it. And it's just one of those things where I think of that game and it would have been better to wait, but I shouldn't have to. And so then that no. weird brain F comes in where I'm like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play the thing that I'm just going to do the thing that I want to do. I've been at work all day. I just want to play this game. That's like, it, man. You know. By the way, I play Sable. Sable's really Sable's good incredible. now, and it's it was it was always great. But now those performance issues, I think, are at least fixed. On oh Xbox, yeah, by far. So, yeah. S A B L E on play, Xbox. Play Sable. One of the best games of that year. Yes. Speaking of the best games as well, we should shift into more positive tidings because that's that's another thing. <laughs> as I attempt to get away from this, <laughs> is that the second they patch it, all of this goes away again. Yeah. Because it's like, well, it's fixed now. Go go play. It's fine. Yeah. And that's. That's a weird thing because we need to almost address that where like you can hang on to a broken version of a game, but we don't want to. And I don't want to. You want to move on. You want to sing its praises. You want to just move forward with your life. Why would you focus on the broken plate if you've glued it back together? But like, it's just that thing of it'll happen again. And something needs to come from this at some point, not from this podcast, but it needs (laughs) to. Um, Because it's just, it's just stupid. It's so stupid that we're living through it over and over and over again. I agree, man. Anyway, 
Tears of the Kingdom. Way more positive things to say about this game, although we should cover the graphical side we of it. We should. <laughs> because um, no spoilers for Tears of the Kingdom, I will say that. No story spoilers, although I did finish it for the review. I finished it in about 70 hours, and that was um, with plenty more to go and do. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to do any story spoilers. We might do a story spoiler cast when you get to the end of it. Um, but overall, it's worth quickly flagging before we get onto the positive stuff. Um, that that game throws some big vistas and big open spaces at you at the very, very beginning, including a forest that has a lot of sun like coming through the trees, trying to make shadows, trying to make reflections, um, and that's uh, has rubbed some people up the butt wrong, r- the wrong way. You know what? I'm going to absolutely sing the praises of this mm. game in a second, but I need to get this out of the way because <laughs> coming from Jedi Survivor, which again, remember for me worked. It yes, was a totally. next gen showcase and lovely, pristine, high resolution. We're going to do a wind on. up about this. We're, We're going to do, do a, a full on wind up moment because I'm going to say the opposite. <laughs> <what you> say. <laughs> I opened Zelda up, and it was the first time I've been on the Switch in like a year and a half. And I was playing it on the big television and I was expecting to be kind of blown away, not from obviously the resolution or anything like that, but like from the art design and whatnot. And I went out to that first Vista and things were kind of popping in. The resolution was low. It was fuzzy. And I kind of thought, ooh, this is not the dream of Zelda that I have been having for the past uh, however many years. Like, Tears of the Kingdom, I kind of wanted it to punch me in the gut with Mm. how beautiful it looked in the same way that Breath of the Wild did um, back in the day. Yeah, were you not taken aback by the first time you skydive and you see how far you can, how far the level of detail goes? I I was, Mm. but kind of like with you and Jedi Survivor, there was always like this thing in the back of my mind thinking... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
this could be better if it looks it was, like clay. Yeah, it looks like clay. <laughs> it looks, why is there so much grass popping out? And why right, is it right. so fuzzy? And how come every time I use Link's powers, the game starts to chug and it doesn't hit 30 frames per second? It was just, I was looking at the limitations of the Switch hardware and I was kind of in my brain already thinking that if the Switch 2 or whatever it's called comes out next year mm. and there's an updated version of this game, I'm going to regret not waiting and playing it on that. But that's like that's like first the PC impression. modders who have got right? it running really fast. Yeah, yeah, that's like, it's a first impression. And as all, like all games like this, once it's settled in, once mm. I became accustomed to how it runs and how it looks, and I could appreciate it way more. I had to fiddle around in my settings to turn like the, the backlight down on my television to mm. mess around with some things to make it look a little bit better, to make it pop a little bit um, more. And I think, you know, once you kind of get outside of that first big vista and once you're like in the nitty gritty of, of at least the world that I'm on mm. now, I'm only in the tutorial area, by the way. Mm. It, it does look gorgeous. It does look like amazing. Uh, it's just like, like you were Jedi Survivor, I'm constantly reminded of the Switch's limitations. <laughs> and every time I jump in a tree, for whatever reason... Jump in a tree? Yeah, like okay. climb up a tree okay. to get like bird eggs or whatever, yeah, yeah. which I do a lot. I love climbing trees in it's this game. It's good fun. Uh, but then the game like chugs for whatever reason when I'm when the leaves kind of go transparent and the game chugs when um, yes. I'm using the... Uh, what is even the power called? Ultra where you hand? Glue things together. Yeah, yeah ultra the hand, ultra yeah. hand. When I use that and I'm like moving things around, the game chugs and it's it's. it's I one shouldn't of those. be chugging with that. I've not had a chug with that. I've had a chug when you go, like, I did have a chug a lot more when I went into any of the towns because I played it for review. They did two ah. patches during the review period. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't like it was demonstrably worse, but like the, it was always fine. I would say fine for the Switch or whatever because um, it seems to run at a, <laughs> this is just, I'm going to say this sentence and you'll just, it's not true for you, but like it runs at a stable frame rate for Right, okay. Like, I find that it's just completely solid. Like, it, it chugs when I go into towns, especially Kakariko Village, um, which was the same for Breath of the Wild. I don't know what it is about that biome. Yeah. Um, but Breath of the Wild chugged whenever you ran down a specific path, and I was like, I'm going to test that, and it was the exact same issue. And then they, uh, like I said, I shoot a couple of patches. It still chugs when you go in and out of towns. Um, but I feel like overall it's it's hitting like 30 or it must be hitting about 30 because to me it feels, that feels way more responsive than Jedi. Right. Like personally, I, I, I can hang in the combat, I can read enemies, I can do whatever I need to do. Um, the buttons make sense. They line up with when I hit them. Um, I love that we're at that degree where it's just like, <laughs> did the button do the thing? Um, but like I said, like to me, it's it's way more consistent. Well, I do obviously agree with you when it comes to level of detail stuff. Like that thing, I think is like a minor miracle. Like the fact that they've made Hyrule work from the sky. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, and you can see all the way to the end of the island. And like, I love, I do, I, I quite like, I do love the way that they've, what they choose to render in and render not. It's just, render not, it's just weird because if you find those lines or if you're looking for them, you'll see them. I'm a spoiled brat. I'm a <laughs> spoiled brat used to my next-gen machines. Right. And the issue for me is that this game, similar to, you know, Jedi Survivor in a way, it reminds me of Final Fantasy VII Remake on the PS4, mm. where at a glance, it's gorgeous. Right. Then you kind of scrutinize the finer details in the textures, at least on Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, that's The true. original version of like PS1, like the muddy, they don't hold up to scrutiny in that mm. way. And that's fine. You know, I understand it's it's the Switch. I'm not expecting PS5 level mm. of quality mm -hmm. out of it. I'm not expecting C Series X level of quality out of it. It's just... It's it's kind of took my brain a little bit to kind of 
reconfigure my expectations because mm. what they have achieved on the Switch is incredibly impress- impressive. It's just, again, it's kind of that caveat of it's impressive for the Switch. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I'm always going in with that. I mean, I, I play my Switch every day and right. like uh, I'm playing through Dredge on the Switch and that like that was a game where like anything on Switch, again, you talk about the amount of BS you put up with just following this industry where every time you, you want to play something, let me Google the performance. Let me try and find a digital foundry review. Let me make sure it's actually going to work when I get the thing because yes, I can pay for it, but I don't know if it's actually going to boot up and run smoothly. Dredge, thankfully, runs really well. There's a couple of hiccups, um, but for the most part, it works. But I feel like that in-baked mentality is what you just said. It's like, is it good for the Switch? Does it remotely run? Yeah. Um, and Bayonetta 3 was, was like really struggled. Like in the Kaiju battles, the bigger battles, it was all over the place. It's just um, yeah. it's just the snob in me, man. It's because I look <laughs> at these lovely vistas in this unbelievable art direction in Zelda, mm. and I just pine for it in 4K. <laughs> that's it, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And when I'm watching like these, again, lovely, lovely directed cutscenes, and I'm seeing like what feels like a 720p render of it, <laughs> and I can see the pixels on my screen in, in like... You can the, see the jaggies on the end. I can of the see the, the jaggies on the end, and I'm like, there's a good... There's, there's, I can't wait to play this in like 4K, please. Just you did a Max Payne face. Better. I, that's I, that's I re- the, the gaming face. I really have, but again, that's just the pure snob. I mean, I'm going to sing this. Well, I don't think it's snobbishness. I think that's part of the, or one of the facets of the industry. We've got, those consoles have chased the PC model so much, all the mm-hmm. different uh, various settings. You can turn this off and turn this on and, and max this out and ray tracing and it's optional and whatever. And then little old switch in the corner is from 2017 with a Tegra mobile phone processor, <laughs> literally uh, making a game to try and compete with that. Yeah. And so like, I find that really endearing and adorable almost and kind of fascinating. And then I, I celebrate when it's able to render the sun like in the <laughs> distance and show me how big the, the landscape is. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's just, I don't think that makes you a snob. I think that the industry just has fractured so much. So that's much. It. And Nintendo do not care about hardware. Absolutely not. It's just what's become normal for mm. you. Like I'm looking at the worlds in the density of detail, for instance, in Jedi Survivor, mm. and I'm looking at other games I played last year, uh like God of War Ragnarok, you know, Sony first parties because they're famous for their attention to detail, the amount of like assets they managed to get in one place. Everything I hate about the resolution, them. everything you hate, but that I undeniably kind of love. So do, yeah. that's become the bar for me. So going to Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and having what was great in 2017 kind of continue to run similar to how it did six years ago. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like it's impressive for the Switch. It's just the generation has moved on. And as someone who isn't like playing the Nintendo Switch all the time mm-hmm. and is more familiar with games on Series X and games on PS5, it's just it's just one of those things that's really noticeable now for me. Especially when we call it a AAA release. That's yeah. it. it. It absolutely will not impact my score, I don't think. Mm. You know, I'm going to love this game. I already am loving this game. It's not impacting it on that level. It's just... Is it, is, it, is it a graphic snob? And I know you keep <laughs> being very polite and saying that I'm not a snob, but I think I probably am. Uh, no, but it's, it's I'm worth like worth flagging. I think. I'm like root cause. How did you become this way? Like the, the industry <laughs> made you like this. It did because um, the industry made me like this too. Like Nintendo caters to the people who don't care about the detail in the background or the, the stuff that Red Dead Two or the Naughty Dog games um, hang themselves on. Of course, um, and I love the Nintendo for that. That's always been it's part of the Nintendo charm. Um, you said you had a Nintendo statistic you were going to bust out. I did. Yes. Well, this is the last kind of quote-unquote negative thing I want to say before yes. I talk how, about how much I love the opening of this game. I uh, obviously I want to talk about the voice acting, but carry on. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, God, it's going to be such a negative part. It's supposed to... I love this game. Um, I, I hope people find it really relatable. I don't think yeah. it's just two old men moaning. No, well, this we'll is see. the thing. Like, we're kind of picking it apart. We're having yeah. fun with it. But ultimately, I think we both are very hot on this title. Yeah. But, yeah, the Nintendo Switch obviously booted it up, charged it up for the first time in ages. 
It was like, last please night. water me. It really was. And I realized, Scott, I think yes. you'll appreciate this. The last game I played on that was a year and a half ago. Two Christmases ago. I'm trying to guess what that would be. It's something you played at Christmas, because I know you take the Switch home. Something I played at Christmas. Would you, you were catching up on something. Maybe. I was catching up on something, but it wasn't a big game. From 2020? Yes. No, 2021. I think so. 2021. I think it came out in 2021. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of a major Switch. It wouldn't have been Mario Strikers, sadly. Well, let me tell oh, you. was it? It wasn't a major Switch game. It was a little game called Unpacking. Oh, that was the last game. game. What a game yeah. that I played on the Switch. And I, I, I thought, you know what? Let's see how much I've actually played this right. machine. And I totted up the games that I played on the Switch in the now seven years, six years six that years, I've owned yeah. it. And I've played 15 games <laughs> on the Switch. <laughs> Three Zelda games. Two Mario games, and then like Night in the Woods, oh and my detention, God. and unpacking. It's, but it's it's such a stellar, and you love indie stuff. It's like it's the indie machine. It is, but it goes back to the performance and the resolution. Yeah. Why would I play even indies like on the Switch when I have a PlayStation there? If they are available, there's if so available, many things that are only on Switch. Well, yeah, but, I mean yeah. Hades was another game that I played because that was initially only on mm. Switch. But like, you know, that played really well. It did. That well, was pretty. It did. Don't get me wrong. Like the Switch has some amazing playing games. Yeah. I love the look of uh, Breath of the Wild. I love the look of Tears of the Kingdom when it's. That was working. my underlying thing with it saying it's an indie system because all you right. need is two D or you know primitive three D. Oh yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, like Super Mario Odyssey looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, in the games that I'm playing on there that are indies, you know, Night in the Woods, Detention, Unpacking, they look good. Mm. It's just in my brain, I'm always like, well. My main machine is the PlayStation. Why would I? Why would I ever choose the <laughs> Nintendo Switch unless I'm taking unless I'm taking it home? You know. Yeah, my, the Switch for me is my train system. Play on the way into work. Play on the way back. Yeah, uh, it's the thing that I sit with on the couch. Although I, but I do have it in big screen mode all the time. Like to me, it is just as valid as the PlayStation. It's the Xbox that's fallen off for me. Right. Um, I use my Xbox more to go on the the browser, the internet browser, to watch AEW. Well, whereas <laughs> my uh, the Switch used to be like. Kind of my indie machine, mm. where I would where I would like play those kind of like more narrative driven games or those side scrollers mm. and kind of use it handheld. But then when Game Pass came out and Game Pass just kind of had all of those games mm, on it for true. free, the Switch became obsolete. And the same with pl- the PlayStation Plus kind of uh, collection, the mm. PlayStation Plus service. Like once those indies started dropping on those services, like your Immortalities, like yeah, like Stray, um, like Although that's exclusive, but like yeah. Stray, like Signalis, like. Um, Bunch of other titles. I'm mm. completely cheers on, on that, but head. I don't think that's multi-platform. Yeah, to cheer, cheer, and mm. um, like Charm. once all those games were quote unquote free, mm. the Switch like if it lost the last bit of relevancy it had. It went unwatered for years. Went unwatered for years, but it's back <laughs> and it's great. And now I got like a real surge of weirdly nostalgia from booting it up and playing Zelda last night, man. I. Unfortunately, because I had a stupid anniversary, you know, <laughs> stupid bloody anniversary to celebrate. You didn't tell me that's what you were doing on Friday. You were like, "Oh, it's pain because I've got to. I need. I want to play Zelda, but I can't do that until Sunday." No, God, you didn't tell me what. I didn't realize what that was. And then, uh, bloody ten years. I must clarify. I do love my partner. Yeah. This is all facetious, but uh, obviously, was busy yeah. uh, celebrating that rather than playing Zelda. But got into it last night, and even from the tutorial, I know this is going to be one of my games of the year. It is more Breath of the Wild, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but as someone who hasn't played that game in six years that's completely fine for me and the additions they have made have been in my opinion revolutionary i must admit i didn't watch any of the gameplay footage before getting this game Mm. so everything has been a surprise right down to the core mechanics i knew obviously there was some kind of building system in the game i heard people talking about how link was like building a car but i didn't know how it worked (laughs) and i didn't know that there were going to be distinct um powers that link got 
right at the start right. that would facilitate that. I didn't know, for instance, that you could pretty much fuse any item with yes. any weapon and kind of, you know, have different outcomes based on that. I didn't realize the full extent of that you can fuse pretty much anything in the world together to make whatever the hell you oh, yeah. want. I thought in my that head... That is a thing for this game. Absolutely. I knew it was there, but I thought it was going to be more context sensitive. The mm. fact that that is building on what Breath of the Wild brought to the table in terms of your level of freedom, that you can chop down a tree and use it as like a raft to get over a body of mm. water. Like it's that on steroids. Yes. And I loved that in Breath of the Wild. Just I never... I often never found a real reason to engage with it because there was always another route that, to me, seemed a little bit more efficient just from my style of play. Whereas here, right from the get-go, it's it's encouraging you to um, utilize those mechanics, yeah. that kind of way of thinking of how can you navigate this world in an interesting way. They encourage that so much more this time around, for yes. me anyway. And that is, oh man, it's, it's made me feel like a genius, even though I'm practically, in comparison to some of the clips I've seen, a caveman finding I mean, we're all, a stick for the first time. Yeah, there are, it's all the Homer Simpson card, the game. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> yes. all just that. Yes. Like, it's all just bolt this to this, put a fan on this, put a rocket on this, put a laser are on that um, and just see what happens when you turn it on like I, I, I love that side of it you don't know how well you get better at it but you get a at the beginning like one of the first things I made um, again like I said I've been playing it for like 70 it'll be more than that now but 70 hours for the review one of the first things that I built where I was like I'm gonna try and make a car so I had like a, a wooden platform in the middle and I put the wheels on and I put um the uh, there's like a control stick in the middle and I put some uh, flames on the front because any enemies that come around I flambe them thing I didn't realize is when I started driving it when you're driving through the, the fields the fire is going to make the grass take <laughs> a light and you're going to drive through that which burst my whole car into flames so then that exploded and I flew off to the side game over but I was just laughing to myself Dude, at how incredible that was that's the best part of the game like the, yeah. the, the, the game makes you feel like a genius when you get something right and when you can do something mm -hmm. because it's not afraid to punish you for a mistake it, not yeah, really punish yeah. you but to like it's always uh, funny yeah it's yeah. always funny allow you to realize it. there are so many like rudimentary structures that I was building last <laughs> night to try and cross a uh, you know a, a level and um, I thought I had stumbled onto some kind of genius um, explanation of how okay. I can get from one place to another and then when I put it into practice it just fell down and Link <laughs> fell to his death and I was like oh maybe I need to rethink this. I love um, as well just to chuck in here that they um, they flesh out well not really flesh out but they give you another version of the Koroks that need to get because of Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild you would find them you get a seed or you find a Korok and get one of their seeds. In this one, there's a few of them that are weighed down by giant packs and yeah. they need to find their friend. And I just love how they were like, we know people are going to mess around with all these tools that we've built. Let's come up with something where you need to get thing to place. However you do that is up to you. I made a giant spring and launched a dude across the <laughs> landscape. Um, people have flown them to each other. You can do whatever you want. I love that side of it because it's all just teasing out that mentality of like, if you were like a crafty kid or if you were someone who built stuff when you were a kid, and you didn't have much of a full understanding of physics or an engineer's degree, the way that you thought things worked when you were a kid is how they work in Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, which, by the way, I'm I'm useless at. Like, I'm really <laughs> bad at, like, just making these basic contraptions. There were right. so many times where I was playing last night where I was going through this obtuse process, like, sticking things together that made no sense, that obviously <laughs> wouldn't work. Because, put a wheel on it. Well, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't think of the obvious solution, and my girlfriend was, like, shouting, like, just do, don't do that, stop it. <laughs> Put it down, do it this way. And I just, my brain doesn't think that way, but right. because it rewards it will, you, it will, right? But because it rewards you, no matter how you complete the task, 
you can create like a rocket car and get over in style. Yes. But you can create the ricketiest bridge that you might fall off at any time. <laughs> and both results feel satisfying because yes. they're yours. And I've only played a few Zelda games, you know mm. this, but all Zelda puzzles make me feel smart when I figure out the solution because they're kind of rooted in a, a style of common sense, quote yes. unquote, that video games often don't um, trade in. You know, you often, at least I am. That's why people love Zelda puzzles. Yeah, I'm always thinking of the video game solution to a problem, whereas Zelda kind of says, well, if, if this is the real world and you've got this tool set, mm. like what would you do? And it often rewards that. In Breath uh, Tears of the Kingdom, is that, on every level. It's yeah. that for the big puzzles and it's that for the moment-to-moment exploration and gameplay. And it's just, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do tonight. Right. And I love that about games. My favorite yes, games get same. me thinking that way where I'm sat in bed and I'm thinking like, this is how I'm going to tackle this problem or I'm going to experiment with this mm. tomorrow. One of the, um, yeah, one of the, th- one of the best, one of the best things about a video game when you realize it's in your brain, yeah. like in the best way, where you're like, I can't wait to just get my hands back on this thing to experiment with some different stuff. And you're thinking of puzzle solutions and, and this thing blows that wide open. Like I, it's not giving away which puzzle this is for because there's, it, um, it happens a lot, but you need to get certain spheres into certain holes or whatever. And I just couldn't get this thing up this cliff. And so I ended up like attaching a bunch of Octorok balloons to it um, and bolting um, I think it was like a couple of different like things to like weight it so it would go straight up rather than like in different directions mm-hmm. and then I put a fan on the back of it and I was like okay I needed to start in midair so that the Octorok balloons carry it the rest of the way and then I need to shoot it in midair so the fan kicks in to carry it the rest of the way and then using the rewind power to get it back up to where it needs to be yeah. and whatever and like it did work at the moment that thing slowly poodled over the cliff top and I realized it had done it was the biggest like oh my god like cheering moment I've yeah. done um, <laughs> things like that the fact that they sort of engineered this like real authorship to it, but you know you're playing within their systems, but it does feel like your solution. Yes. That's the magical part of it. That's it, because it's like, it's the, it's the best kind of like toy box approach, isn't yeah. it? It's obviously yeah. not limitless in a lot of ways, but it, it defines... I'm still yet to find the limit, though. Well, there we go. But what I mean is, like, it defines what the tools are and how they work so early mm-hmm. on, and then it just lets you use them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It lets you create whatever you want with them, lets you improvise however you want, and mm-hmm. I love that part of it. And it's that part was obviously in Breath of the Wild, but it feels so much more pronounced here uh, that I don't mind the similarities elsewhere between the mm-hmm. games because, it, to me, I know people have referred to it maybe as like a mod kit and a deluxe DLC. I don't think I've used the latter, but I get the core sentiment of why you would say that. Yeah, that's it. Like, so I'm, much carried over. I'm not saying you've said that. I just mm. mean, like, generally, I've seen the some people thing. say it. Oh, okay, yeah. right, there we go. Uh, and to me, it's just, that is, I totally get why people would say that. But as someone who's not played Breath of the Wild in, like, six years, mm. it, it, it feels like, stupid to say, it feels like a proper sequel. It doesn't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. a bit of DLC for me. It feels like a, the next natural evolution of that formula. Again, funnily enough, in the same way the Jedi Survivor to me feels like the next natural evolution of the Fallen Order yeah, um, yeah. formula where that where both games for me have kind of kicked the doors down and trimmed off what you didn't like about the previous game, at least at this early stage in mm-hmm. Tears of the Kingdom, and then doubled down and expanded and refined the stuff that you did like. Yeah, it's it's a weird sequel because it's so iterative, but the, it's not like you can't point to the things that are new. Um, it's weird because I was talking to Sai about this, and she was saying, like, well, most of the main Zeldas all feel super similar. Yeah. Like, it's only really in Breath of the Wild where they really overhauled it, unless you go all the way back to, like, Zelda 2 or the original. Um, but my whole thing was that Tears of the Kingdom feels like a Majora's Mask to Ocarina of Time, and I know I'm speaking a language that you won't know, but 
Because uh, Majora's Mask is like fundamentally made using the assets from Ocarina of Time and the movements the same, the sound effects are the same for the most part. Um, and it felt like this iterative sequel. And a lot of people love Majora's Mask because of that, because it's like this darker version of Ocarina. Yeah. And then every other one, like Wind Waker, Skyward Sword, whatever, are, um, you know, more, spe- I don't know, more unique, more definable sequels, um, apart from uh, Link Between Worlds, which like reuses Link to the Past's map. It's like they've done this before, but really sporadically. And I don't like Majora's Mask because of how <laughs> similar it is to Ocarina of Time. Right. And it feels, it feels like a weird, like someone hacked Ocarina and added all these elements to it, but people love that. And so Tears is like that to Breath of the Wild. It's funny, because like, like you said, I don't really have the reference point for that. Mm. I can fully understand it. But um, when I played Skyward Sword for the first time, after only having played Breath of the Wild, yes, uh, there was so much in Breath what of the swerve. Wild. Oh, I know, I, I know. know. So much in Breath of the Wild that I assume was assumed was unique to that game from like you know certain um items mm. certain ways of playing uh certain iconography music progression mm. all of that stuff and then i kind of went to skyward sword and realized that all of those elements were in skyward sword mm. they were just not used the same way yes. and now I, I kind of thought oh okay like this is zelda then zelda is like remixing a lot of familiar things and mm. using them in new ways while also adding a bunch and um, most of it. I just found that was fascinating that the, I could chart the connection yeah, between Skyward yeah. Sword and Breath of the Wild. And it's obviously a huge jump, but there was way more DNA in that older game mm. than I expected there to be. And again, not in a bad way. I just kind of realized and it kind of clicked what the franchise was after playing Honestly, that. right? To, to quote the Matrix's Oracle, what'll really bake your noodle later on, Go if on. you ever go back to it, is the if you go back to the original 1986 Zelda, if you wiped out everything that happened after the original, if that if like, I said this back in the Breath of the Wild review, uh, back in 2017, if uh, if you wipe that whole thing out, Zelda was one game in 1986 and nothing happened for like um, 20 whatever it was years, and then Nintendo were like, we're going to revive that cult classic, uh, um, you know, the Legend of Zelda, and then they made Breath of the Wild. That game, the original, is absolutely the DNA that they are now back on. Right, Because okay. the original was fully open-ended. It didn't have, like, that specific, like, go here, then go here, then go here. You could do things out of order. Um, it was all very just, you felt lost until you found a specific thing. To, oh, my God, okay, that goes with that. It was kind of how Breath of the Wild was. Obviously, there's way more waypointing in that. But I always thought the Breath of the Wild felt like the most direct continuation of where they first started. Um, which And it's not that there are other bits in between on in there as well, yeah. but it's like there's something about that really free form. Hey, if you just put a bomb next to this wall and it blows up, there's actually a cave back there. That whole thing, and the other games have done it, but it was more signposted. That was in the original, uh, you know, back in the day. And, uh, and it predates when I was even on this earth. <laughs> but like having gone through the originals and stuff, yeah. I, I always think that they like the idea of really getting back to the roots. And if you like that free form, the entire map is one big dungeon type thing, oh, man, yeah. um, you know, where you're just sort of improvising ways to get around and, and figuring things out. Like, They've almost taken that thing from like 35 odd years ago and then transplanted it across the entire world. Yeah. And that's unbelievable, really, if you really chart the whole thing. It really is, man. It really is. It's in, like I was thinking yesterday, like how impressive it was. Obviously, Zelda's always been huge. You know, mm-hmm. people always talk about Ocarina of Time. They always yeah. talk about every single Zelda game that's ever been made. <laughs> Not Twilight Princess, though. Not Twilight they don't Princess. Like that. Uh, but it really feels like it's become this next like next level thing with Breath of the Wild and Mm. Tears of the Kingdom in terms of sales, in terms of popularity. Mm. Obviously, it's always been popular. It's always been one of the big, big gaming franchises. But there's something about it where Breath of the Wild has almost taken it like kind of like nuclear. Oh, yeah. Just looking at the the sales for Tears of the Kingdom over the the weekend, uh, they've been nuts. They've been crazy. Mm. Everyone's playing it. Like you said, it's like, like, 
just huge. It has always been huge, and I didn't think Zelda could get bigger in the past <laughs> two games of being like, oh, there's, there's, there's places this series can go. Well, it's fascinating. more people can get in, like me. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating for that because they happened upon such a specific... Because like, you got the original one, top-down, open-ended, whatever, Zelda 2, side-scroller, no one expected that. What the hell is this game? Has its fans, a lot of people love to, and it is quite forward-thinking in terms of you have like health points pop off the enemies and stuff. Things that no one else was doing in that space at the, to that degree. Um, and then, you know, Link to the Past, and then obviously Ocarina blew up so much that they were like, okay, that's that's what we're doing. That's yeah. the one. Because Link to the Past was like another top-down one like the original. But I feel like from Ocarina, because they had so many plaudits, it was so many outlets, first 10 out of 10 or whatever, that they chased that all the way through until Skyward Sword. And then it was like, and then they took a break, and it was the biggest break they ever took. They didn't do a handheld one. I guess they did um, Link Between Worlds, I think it was like 2013. So there's one on the 3DS. But either way, you have the biggest break in main Zeldas for like for that time. When they finally came back, it was Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And then now it was like, you made people miss the IP. And then you mm. nailed this new version of it with all the DNA that was there before. Um, and now it's like stronger than ever. And obviously there are people who don't like Breath of the Wild and don't like where it is because they want more specific dungeon puzzles or more specific progression. There are dungeons in Tears of the Kingdom. But um, it's just one of those things where I, I just I do think it's fascinating, and it's like it's such a lesson of how to rejuvenate a franchise. Um, and like Strauss Zellner talked about, like they need to take a break between GTAs because they like, exhaust the IP. Yeah, and Lord knows they've done that. Lord knows they. Um, it's one of those things. Have. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, you know, in the they've really benefited from the break even this time for mm. me. Like I said, you know, six years between uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. And whilst it shares probably way more direct DNA than previous Zeldas mm. have, apart from Ocarina and Majora's Mask, like you said, like the break has been big enough that it's made me miss that stuff. Right, I was saying right. to you, like the tutorial here is kind of pretty much the same as the tutorial from Breath of the Wild. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it as much because I've forgotten even the basics of how the game works. I'm relearning <laughs> all of that stuff combined mm -hmm. with the new powers that they've added and it's been just as satisfying as mm. Breath of the Wild was. I wondered whether it would be able to recapture the magic for me and I'm saying now at this early stage without even having all the powers, without mm. even getting off the tutorial island, like it's <laughs> hit the same, um, it's just hit the same level and that is amazing. That's, so, that's the thing that I think... I can't shake that much. I put it at the very beginning of the review, and it's why I give it four and a half out of five instead of the full five stars, is because of how much is reused down to the specific text descriptions of something like a Korok seed um, and the sound effects in the map. And the overall progression is the same. It benefits so much if you don't know that stuff inside out or if you haven't played Breath of the Wild since 2017. It's it's weird how that blind spot or whatever reinforces the quality of Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but I feel like it is a worthwhile conversation. And it'll probably happen in the, in the next sort of couple of months. People are just going like, actually, I've gone back to Breath of the Wild and it's really, really similar. Yeah. Um, because it is. Um, but yeah, I think overall, though, like the amount that they've added on to it, and it, there's just so much there. I mean, there's so much that reinforces the next bit. So many side missions, so many things you unlock, everything else. Um, but yeah, that's a whole other conversation for the future. I do want to end because I teased the voice acting stuff. I want to know what you think of this. Um, because, and I should know her name by now, but I sadly don't. The person who voices Zelda um, is a bit of a divisive performance because the way that she voices Zelda um, back in 2017's one is exactly the same as this. Right. And it's a, you know, it's like a really like over the top, like overly like regal sounding regal, uh, yeah. version of that kind of, oh, how I dare you. And it's like, it's almost like the queen style. And if someone was going to take the PIS out of, double S, out of the queen, they would do a voice that is kind of what Zelda is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fascinated by what her direction was as an actor. I have no idea how they landed on this weird voice for her. I love this version of Zelda and I love the arc, especially between Breath of the Wild and this one. Um, but I get people who don't like it. 
my the first thing my girlfriend said when she started talking was, "I can't believe she's posh," and I fully <laughs> agree. Uh, even though she obviously was in the previous game, right? And um, I think you know, no slight on the the voice actor themselves, mm. but I think it's just the direction they're going for. Like you said, they're going for this really, uh, they want this really over the top regality to it, mm-hmm. and for, for me, it's just not my vibe. And I might change the uh, the language that it's in, so I don't have that association with yeah. it. Yeah, Patricia Somerset. Uh, yeah, shout out to her. That's the voice actress, but uh, or voice actor. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where I think. I don't know. Like I said, I've not switched the voice acting yet. I want to try it in Japanese. I think because of Zelda with it being Nintendo, with it being an Eastern franchise anyway, I think that might sound more at home in a way. That's it. And even, you know, not just singling out that performance because the only other voice that I've heard so far is Roru? Rauru? Yes. Roru, yeah. Roru. And, uh, Actually, it's kind of like Rauru because right, it's yeah. R-A-U... R-A? Their voice you? actor, I had to stop playing and check because it sounded so much like Heisenberg from <laughs> Resident Evil 8. Oh, okay. And I didn't really like Heisenberg and right, Resident right. Evil 8 uh, voice mm-hmm. performance either. So they're kind of two for two on that in terms of not being my thing. So I'm going <laughs> to mess around with some of the other languages tonight, I think. But, yes. you know, it's just how it is. That's just that's just the style they're going for. And some people will love it, but some people might think like, it, it sticks out. It like, stick the rest out. of it, it's like you mentioned the cutscene direction before, which I did put in the review. I think the cutscene direction and the music, the score, is a massive step up from Breath of the Wild. Incredible. And I love, I love Breath of the Wild's sort of more like atonal, like dissonant approach to soundscapes where you only get a couple of little things. But they're, like I said, they're sort of like dissonant notes. They don't really go together in a scale. But it's little things that sort of permeated um, the landscape when you were exploring it. I just love the feel of Breath of the Wild so much. Here you do have rousing score. You do have specific themes in here from old Zeldas and stuff. Um, which is really, really cool. But it is just one of those things where the voice acting, I, it, it obviously it's as intentional as anything else, yes. but I'd, I'd love to know what they thought they were going for. I guess they want her to literally sound like the queen. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, it makes a lot of sense, I think, from obviously a character perspective. I can totally see why they have done that. I guess. For me, anyway, at least in this version. Um, in, Breath of, in Breath of the Wild, it was because at the very beginning of Breath of the Wild, I was like, oh, are you giving me like a really, uh, like I said, regal, disconnected princess who's going to go through some stuff? And she does in Breath of the Wild, like realizing her own power. There's that whole breakdown scene in the forest, which is whatever. But like, she's been through enough stuff and I was like is that going to round her out and she's going to be less like prim and proper kind of thing but they don't really do that she's just like that all the time I thought she sounded like old school Lara Croft you know like PS1 Lara Croft Mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. kind of uh, weird Britishness to it which Mm -hmm. is again that's it's 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 what they've gone for, it just it feels, sounds, like you said, it feels a little dissonant. Yeah, it's almost like, obviously, it's Patricia doing, a, it sounds like it's someone doing a voice. Like I said, if yeah. you asked someone to do a queen voice, it would come out like that. Well, same um, with Rory, I think. It sounds right. like someone doing a voice, in my opinion. Yeah, than, yeah. But that's like... But I mean, like a like a, <laughs> like a joke voice. Right. Like a joke <laughs> okay, queen. Okay. Oh, yes, we'll get some tea. Like, it's like that. Yeah. Whereas Rory or Rauru is going for, like, this commanding sort of, like... Um, you know, this is or this, like you t- telling you definitively how things work or whatever. Honestly, the lines themselves are solid. It's just the performance. Yeah, honestly, I think that stuff is the same situation oh, really? where it's like someone doing a commanding voice, and it's just mm. I don't know whether I'm getting too caught up on this. Maybe it's perfect later on down the line, but I can't remember anything. Honestly, can't remember <laughs> anything about Breath of the Wild story, really, uh, or any of the cutscenes. I don't know how it holds up. Uh, um, I don't know why none of them stuck out. Maybe because it was my first Zelda, and I had no idea what was going on. Well, you had to but, find them in Breath. Of the same in this, you have to go at points in the map to trigger them. That yeah. was the whole thing in Breath of the Wild. Um, I don't know if you did that, but that was why they were. 
they were locked behind oh, stuff. I saw some of those because you take pictures of the landscape, right? Yes. And then you unlock them that way. But I think my brain just <laughs> turned off every time. <laughs> and I, and I, I really do appreciate, though, you know, um, the introduction of this kind of going harder on the story to yeah, establish yeah. a tone. Um, it's really cool. It's really ominous, mysterious. I uh, love, as well, this version of Ganon. This version of Ganondorf. Well. Just rules. I'm gonna have to based on your, where you are. I'm going to have to take your word for that because yes. I like the introduction. Um, That's what I mean. Like when he get, talks in that bit where he's like, oh, it's the demon sword. And, oh, and he's like proper, like, he's like yeah. half dead. And yeah. it's like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, like so cool. Get a little like pulling the bloody arm off yeah. and stuff. I was like, that's really sick. I, I laughed so much when I think it's Zelda who's like, oh, my, oh, he must be Zelda, obviously, yeah, who says like, you know, oh, we were warned against coming down these catacombs. Yes. And then she's like, oh, I wonder what's, uh, I wonder what's next door. <laughs> And it's uh, <laughs> just yorkshire. Out. 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 I wonder what's next door. I've lost it. Uh, and it's like <laughs> Demon King, red, <laughs> red mist billowing from like this dungeon. And I was like, no, Zelda, don't go down there. It was there. very like, was that always there? I was just, yeah, you know, the Walter White of the car meme, like Zelda, no, <laughs> don't go down the stairs. You don't the Demon King, Zelda, no. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's a lot going on. I love that game story. There's so much more to talk about, which we will in the coming weeks. For now, this has been the wind up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure, Scott Tilford. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you. And I'll catch you next week. We'll catch you next week, but we'll catch you all week long. Silly will. Go check out the YouTube channel. Go keep up with our daily news videos, and we'll catch you very soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.